Everyone knows how to play poker. Poker, poker. But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And how's everybody tonight? Big Dave and Joe bringing you another Poker Action Line program here. And uh, we'll get right into uh, an interesting article that uh, I pulled. And Joe and I talked about it a little bit before the show, so we'll get into that. But just uh, kind of a, uh, actually the, the, the negative view that some people have of, of poker rooms. Uh, before we get to that, I do want to just say uh, there is some big poker news out there. The TV schedule for the World Series of Poker main event has, is out now. So uh, ESPN2 and ESPN are going to be carrying a lot, similar to last year. Okay. Uh, of course, earlier in the series, there will be plenty of coverage on Poker Go, And uh, look forward to uh, seeing a lot of that this year. But the WPT just completed a tournament. And as someone that we're a little familiar with, he's been on the show before, Eric Afriot, who is from uh, Montreal. He won the uh, Seminole Hard Rock showdown about five years ago, I guess, and then he came back this past year and uh, made the final table and ended up finishing second. Uh, So he has done very well. Maria Ho made that final table as well, and he was looking for his third WPT uh, title, and he picked it up at Fallsview in... uh, He's from Canada. He's from Montreal. So he was very happy to have won a tournament on the Canadian side of Niagara Falls. (laughs) And we'll talk about his win. Uh, One of those uh, short stack stories where he came back at the final table. for him. And with the help of a couple of deuce of clubs, as a matter of fact. Really? Uh, So we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. And they are moving on in the WSOP circuit. Of course, we finished the tournament down here at South Florida at the Coconut Creek Casino. And they have moved on there, playing up in two places right now, in fact. Uh, the Rio in Las Vegas is hosting a final table. And uh, they're into the series up there in uh, Hammond, Indiana, which is actually a suburb of Chicago. So it's kind of the Chicago stop on the World Series of Poker circuit. And they are playing that one as well. So we'll run down a couple of those results in a little bit. But I found this interesting article in... Uh, Joe thought it was interesting as well because he's been around uh, poker just about his entire adult life, I guess you might say. Uh, yeah, just about. Well, I, I've been playing poker years, since maybe? I'm about 13, 14 years old. So professionally, I got involved in, uh, like I said before, you know, I was one of the original 12 dealers to deal poker in the state of Florida for the first night it was legal back in 92. So... Technically, at that time, I was uh, 32 years old, so from 32, and I'm 60 now, so you're talking 20 years. So half your life, half your life, you have been in, uh, kind of in management, I guess you started as a dealer, so you weren't actually management until a little little later later in your career, but Mm -hmm. uh, you have been around the poker rooms, and... The article we mentioned is is by our favorite, the dealer chick, who does write some tremendous This one... Just like hit home so much, everyone. I'm telling you, I feel like I'm reading a poker Bible written by her because she's preaching to the choir when I read that. Well, we, she has two uh, articles out now uh, that came out in the recent issues, and one is about uh, women stepping up to the table, demanding their spot at the table, is something we've been advocating for quite some time. 
But the question came, and we'll get into this a little bit later. I guess I'll just tease it by saying uh, the question was, why do we have to? Why do men, we men, have to pay extra to play in a ladies' tournament? Uh, that's just <laughs> ignorant speaking, right there. You know, they they don't seem to understand that. Listen, they're trying to do something for men who do something like that. To me, just shows how ignorant they really are. In the case of, listen, poker has to be replenished with fresh blood. Okay, the female market, and we know there are so many great females. You know poker players out there, but we can't get enough of them interested as we yeah. see the numbers in the WSOP, you know, what, what, what the, how small the percentage is, it's never grown. Yeah, you know, it's right around 3-4% still, but uh, I think there's a lot more women playing. Uh, they said they thought it was closer to 10% in a normal room. In certain if, rooms, if, there if you, are. If you go to any table, there's often a woman at, at each table. Dave, I dealt in a one. private game that was well, you talked about right, that, that was nothing but women. Yeah. Okay, um, you know, real poker rooms, you want to see real successful poker rooms, for the most part, you're going to see enough women where you're not going, was there like three or four of them? No, you know, they, you're going to see two or three ladies at a table, you know, in, in, in successful poker rooms, you need that. You know, we, we spoke about, you know, the the hurdles that poker had to take, you know, the young are already there. We've seen it for the last 15 years, for the time we've been talking, how young the main event final table is. Uh, we've had a few people that are our age, you know, let's you know talk about the older people over the last few years that have kind of broken through. But prior to that, when we had the poker explosion with Moneymaker, it, you know, someone who was 30 at the table was considered the old man at, at, at the main event. Right. You know, and that's just, that. you know, I wasn't quite sure if someone our age or older than us could withstand, you know, have the stamina to go through the rigors that you have to go through now because now it, it turns into an 8, 9, 10-day event. Right. Well, uh, a lot of the players that play at these rooms uh, are very good players and make a living doing it. Uh, slow but sure with living, I guess you would say. But uh, the players that are known as the fish or the uh, players who are learning, novice players coming on, are losing money at a pretty good clip. Uh, some of them have plenty of it to throw around. They don't care. Other people wonder uh, what the learning curve is that can get them to the point where they can make money. But what do you see in rooms? Do you see the uh, the nastiness and the uh, sadness at tables uh, now that you that you saw 25 years ago, or has it changed uh, in the other direction? Well, Dave, you know, uh, forgive me, I don't know if it was Matt Savage. Remember, they they had that one tournament where people couldn't the use social the experiment. social experiment, right? I don't know about you, but when you got exactly started, and you know, because poker's been a big part of my life. One from me playing quite a bit of it through high school, through college, coming down here and keeping the game alive in private games, and then eventually, as I said, I got into the into it. The, I was exposed to more players, so poker has been not just from a professional standpoint, but from a personal standpoint, a big part of my life, and. It it was a lot more sociable. <laughs> you you understand you you didn't go through these ups and downs. I found it to be a lot more sociable when it started here in South Florida. Uh, they started it in in New Jersey and Atlantic City after I had left to move down here. So I, I can't talk to to poker down there. But down here it was. It's 
really, when they took the handcuffs off, you know, when the state took the handcuffs off, and, yeah. you know, it was still a, you know, hey, I know you, this and the other. But as more money got infused in there, more people with money, and then it became, you know, serious games. Like, more you know, cutthroat. More cutthroat. It, you know, it got nasty. Now, I'm talking cutthroat at a... What I, what I thought was a high limit back then, you know, then obviously dealing in Dania, we had those games where you were pushing thirty, forty thousand dollar $40,000 pots. I'm not to tell you that it wasn't, but those games were cultivated to usually trying to catch one or two people there. So everybody, the nasty ones were actually the marks, you know, yeah. <laughs> because, you know, they, they were getting frustrated. And uh, one way or another, and you guys can figure this out and put your own answers in the blanks there, they kept these people as calm as possible and with one technique or another, you know, to, to speak. So that game at that point was friendly. But, yeah, you, you saw the edge, and obviously there's a lot of money. There are people that were going home losing thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 for the day. Crazy. Where I found the nastiness really started to come, like I said, um, back when I opened up the room like that in 2012 that, I, you know, that we had redone the whole room, we had a couple of 2-5 games. And there was a lot of people who knew each other, but then as soon as a couple of you know started, they started drinking some alcohol, and then you started to really see the idiots who got off on pissing off what they thought were bad players, so that they'd get pissed off and play back at them with bad hands, and you know that's that's when the narrative of poker, in my opinion, completely started to change. Yeah. You know, it 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 became like down here they like to use the term being of lambda, the machismo thing. You know, uh, who's got the biggest one? You know, that that's what it seemed like. It, it was no longer the skill level, and some of the really bad players, but that somehow come up with a lot of money to continually play, decided to, you know, Dave, if you're pushing constantly, pushing all in, well. You eventually you start taking some of the skill factor out of that. People don't realize that. Right. I mean, great players want that all the time, but you know you want them to respect certain things. And at that point, they were pushing all in. So yeah, you're you're going to be the favorite seven out of ten times, eight out of ten times. But now that you were seeing more pots at that point, that definitely meant that some of these people were hitting a few more hands, which then just escalated any of those feelings. So, yeah, it's gotten really nasty, and, and I understand that that's got to be one of the real strong points as to why a lot of women down here in, in a lot of different poker rooms just don't want to yeah. deal with that. Well, it's uh, something I think that's not good thinking long-term to put people on tilt, not only for the long-term life of the game where people get angry, lose money, and don't come back, but even that day, you know, it can backfire in your face uh, you put somebody on tilt, uh, they go all in with six deuce, and you have kings. This is the example in the story, and uh, they end up sucking out on you. And, 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 and as a dealer, and, chair, and, you know, and as she said in that article, I want that to occur every single day of the week, right? Twice on Sundays, as they like to say. I want to be in that situation, but that's the what I'm talking about. I believe she talked about the guy being drunk. They get so frustrated that they go, the hell with it. I'm going to lose my money. I'm going to put pressure on them. I'm going to push in four or $5,000. Uh, 
And guess what? That's you're looking for that, but you want to grind that money out of them as as the night goes on, and you and you know you, you you're you're putting them to do this now. If they're doing this on every single hand, they start taking some of that edge that you have on. Right, them. right. Because now, you you understand, you're waiting till your hand is so premium that okay, you know, God bless them. They hit their two three percent to hit it. And you always want to go in 80-20. You're a four-to-one favorite to win that hand. But if every single hand, they start putting that pressure on you, and then what happens with that, Dave? Okay, now I'm sitting there waiting. I'm getting frustrated. I can't hit a freaking hand, and I'm I'm down from three thousand to say eleven, twelve hundred dollars. And now you push your your not that I'm using you as the example, but you push being the quote the idiot on the table, the right. bad player on the table. Well, that's not too far from the okay. Group. And then somebody <laughs> else says this, that, and the other. Now, now it becomes what I call my two four limit players who are playing for high hands. Now it becomes bingo poker. Yeah, right. Now there's no skill involved. Now it's let's push the money in, and whoever happens to have the best hand at the end is going to take that money. And you're pushing it with hands that you would never even call a, a hundred or a couple of hundred. Now you've decided, hell with it, I'm going to gamble. The frustration level has hit. And now they're in a I don't give a damn mood anymore, and I am going to gamble. And true, talented poker players don't, don't gamble. Right. They're, they're, they're playing percentages. They're, that's the reason why they're great players. They don't gamble. They want to put their money in when they have a significant edge. Now, you could have pocket aces every single time, and the five, six people on the table call you, you know, you want to shove all in just one time to, to, to tell them, hey, get the hell out of the pot, and you got four, five, six callers. You're an underdog to win those hands right, every right. single time. Well, just to give you a little uh, background on this story, she always starts it off by getting an, uh, questions from uh, a reader. And uh, this fella said, uh, he says, uh, he talked to a waitress friend of his, and she said, I hate working in the poker room. It's always the saddest part of the casino. And he said, then later, uh, a dealer sat down and said, hey, how's everybody doing? He says, I said, hi, how are you? Great. And he, he replied, you're the first piece person to even answer me. And he said that stuck with him for a long time. And that uh, he loves poker, but he hates the environment in a lot of the rooms. So... Uh, I guess part of that has to do with the management and allowing the training of the of the dealers and how they encourage everybody. But uh, she called it hospice for assholes, which you uh, mentioned And last unfortunately, week. yes. And I, I believe she also mentioned in that article that a large majority of them are nice people who will respond nicely. Right. The problem is, you know, those nice people rarely stand up unless something is, you know, somebody has cross that line so far that they've almost they've almost come full circle okay um so you have to deal with those you know the, unfortunately the a-holes as she mentions there it, it, those are the ones that you remember right you know it, it, it sucks to say that it really does but those are the ones that you remember and like she says there are people that go there that are just effing miserable all the freaking time I, i've They've gotten to me to the point where I've actually had this conversation over probably, you know, my career with at least 15, 20 of these people. Right. And I look at them and I go, you know, and for you to get me to to call you a miserable asshole, you you have to go really far. And I just go, listen, I go, you know, have you always been this effing miserable? 
I go, you come in here every day. I go, if this is if this is upsetting you so freaking much, go, what the hell are you doing here? Yeah. Don't don't you have a life? And you know what the sad part is, Dave? Most of them don't. Yeah. That that's what you start to realize as a manager. Not so much as a dealer and stuff, because you're looking at bottom line. You have to deal with these morons, and they're not tipping you. And you know, you know, and then you just like you know, almost lose. Now I don't want to say you lose hope, but you become a cynic as a dealer. Right. You know, and as a manager, you start seeing some of these people. Then they they open a small window, and let you see a little bit inside of them. And then you start realizing, you know, holy, holy shit, these people really do have a miserable existence. They have, they don't have friends. They don't have anybody who gives a damn about them. And, you know, that window closes for the day and they start acting once again like, like assholes. And, and, and it's hard to have compassion for them. She says uh, three things really in the poker room cause uh, the sadness. Failed expectations. Desensitization sensitization, and an apathetic attitude from the casinos toward poker itself. So I want to talk about a couple of those things. First of all, she says that she deals mostly to people who are losing losing at the game. Like maybe 10% uh, make a profit over the year, and she said they have to jump through hoops to do that. Listen, if I had 100 dealers here in the the room right now and I said, how many people deal to losing players, (laughs) every one of them would raise their hands right now. Because that's the truth. I've always had told people, I go, let's stop 100 people. And I guarantee, see, here's the mentality. We know that as dealers and as people who pay attention, okay, that a small percentage, I believe she said 10% of them are actual winners. But I guarantee you that if you were to ask about 100 people, okay, do you think you're even ahead or down for, for... for your career in poker, most people would say most people ahead. either say I'm ahead or I'm or at worst I'm even, and we both know those numbers can't be true. So yes, and for me here, because where she's dealing, they're still playing poker, Dave. Unfortunately, down here in South Florida, uh, many years ago I mentioned that we were starting to buy players down here. So people talk about the high hands, you know, and the lower limit players are not playing poker for the most part. They're here to play what I call bingo poker, you know, where they put in the absolute minimum that they have to into the pot, check it down so that they hit the requirement, and they're hoping to hit the 300, the 500, the 1,000, depending whatever the high hand value is of a different casino. And they don't give a damn. And then the conversation, Dave, that I hear from them is, oh, I can't freaking believe this. You know, you know, it's cost me $120, and when I finally have lost my, my cool demeanor, I start telling them, I go, you know why? Because you're not playing poker. What do you mean I'm not playing poker? Hey, look, look at this, this, this moron. You know, I flopped a set, and this guy caught runner, runner to beat me with a straight or a flush or, you know, whatever. And I said, let me ask you something, because I watched the hand. I go, when did you bet to protect your hand? Oh, well, uh, uh, and then I, I, I go, see, that you're not playing poker, so you deserve this. In a 1-2 game where everybody's sitting with a 1,000 or more in front of them, you wanna you, you don't want to give five players a chance to beat you on your set. If they're going to chase a straight or a flush or anything else, 
you're going to make you're going to make them pay to chase you. I go, you guys aren't doing that. So when you don't hit a high hand for the day, guess what? You're going to lose a hundred and hundred and change. You know, because you're not playing poker. You're just playing bingo, hoping that you hit something with two two cards with the minimum investment to try to maximize your return. Part of the desensitization, well, it's easy for you to say, <laughs> uh, but uh, people are desensitized by the fact that all the money on the table really doesn't seem to mean like real money because of the chips, because everybody has these big piles in front of them. She says... Uh, you know, no. <laughs> the, the the dealers, when they first get there, they're excited, but then when they get a dollar pushing a pot that would pay their whole weekly paycheck to some guy, and he tips them a dollar, that they become desensitized. Let me tell you something. Yeah, while well, you start losing any compassion that you might have, Dave, like I said, there were people, and I won't mention, there was a, a group of people and another group of people, and when I was dealing in the big game, as, as some of the other dealers that are working over there now at, at Miami Highlight with me, we knew that if a certain group of these people won that hand, we might get a $100 tip. Now you move to two or three other groups, and again, I'm not going to mention, I'm just going to say groups for right now. They won it. You'd, your best best scenario would be you might get a $5 tip. Okay? Your worst scenario is pushing a pot for forty, fifty thousand, 50000 and not even getting a, a, a thank you. Okay, and and it does. You know, you 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 look at that going. Oh my God, you know that that forget about a week's salary. That that could be my yearly salary. Yeah. You know, the, you're pushing sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars. You're not even making that. And now, what I've told my dealers is, you you have to look at it in perspective. You may have come to the table after that table's been running for two, three, four hours. Okay, and I just happen to push you. A fifty thousand dollar pot, and you throw me two, three dollars, five dollars, and for me, if I got a five dollar tip on every hand I ever dealt, I'd be so ecstatic because I'd make a lot of money. Right. Okay. But I'm not looking at it in those terms. I'm looking at it. Damn, look at this guy just threw percentage me two two dollars on a fifty thousand dollar pot. Okay, of where maybe you put ten into it, so forty thousand is what you profited. What what dealers fail to realize, and I always tell them this. Okay, is you don't know if that person's down a hundred thousand dollars. You understand? That that's the difference. There are poker players that are tremendously generous when they're winning. The moment they're losing, okay, and a significant amount of money, you're not getting a dollar out of them. But now you hit them when they're up, and they win a ten thousand dollar pot. You could get a three hundred dollar tip from them. You understand? So you can't carry your personal beliefs as to how something is supposed to be. And Dave, anybody who works in a poker room for any extended amount of time, like I said, uh, my experience throughout my 30 years in this business has been that most poker rooms have 75 to 80% of, the, of regulars that they'll see on a, on, you know, yeah. almost... A, <clears throat> excuse me, almost every day that you work. Right. When you don't see them and they're elderly, you start worrying that something may have happened to them, okay? And the other 15, 20, 25% of the people that come in on that day are there maybe because your room is giving them a better promotion. They happen to, they could be tourists, visitors, and they have come in. So after you've worked in a room for any extended amount of time, and like I said, 75 to 80% of the clientele is known to you. You you at one point or another have dealt to them, you know, quite a few downs. 
you already know who the good tippers are. Yeah. And you know who the real terrible tippers are. You know, I've seen dealers get up and go, damn, I gave this son of a gun a, a straight flush to the 10. There's a half hour left in, in, in the high hand. And they go, oh, so wow, the, the high hand's $1,000. Yeah, I ain't going to get anything from this guy. And, and that's exactly how it is. The third thing to talk about is the attitude of the casinos toward poker. Uh, she calls, <laughs> she says it's like treated like the redheaded stepchild of the gaming industry. And she has a great line here. She says, um, she says it's like a colonoscopy. Colonoscopy, she said. Every, nobody wants it, but everybody needs it. Yeah, and unfortunately, outside of a few venues where. And that's, you know, that's God's honest truth since I've got into this. Ve- you know, everyone, you, you talk casually, oh, where are the best poker? Oh, it's got to be Vegas. You couldn't get me to deal in Vegas 15, 20 years ago. You couldn't get me to deal that for a living. You'd have to put a gun to my head, and I might tell you to pull the trigger because it, it'll be less painful, okay? There was no money to be made there. Now, poker, now, obviously... The explosion of the internet with poker and everything else. Now, if if you run the right tournaments, okay, you're you're making a lot of you know you could be making a lot of money from the rake, okay, but your restaurants, your hotels, you know, your table games, your slot machine numbers should be up there, and that's because of the poker. But she's a hundred percent correct. I guarantee you, you can't get one. Maybe one or two, you know, president CEOs of, of of casinos that would tell you, "Oh, I love having poker." The hell with that! It's it's a large expense because of the people that you need to run the game, okay? What you have to try to give these people, and the earning that you're making pales, and I mean pales in comparison to what a slot machine can make for you. Yeah. As as one high executive told me once ago, I go, but yeah, but poker does. He goes, yeah, you want to know what poker does? Brings me pain in the ass people. I have to pay this. He goes, you know what? I put a row of top-notch slot machines in there. You know what? They don't ask me for any money to, to pay them hourly. They never call out sick. You know, they don't ask for time off. They don't need vacation. And they make money from the casino to, I don't every, have to pay every half, five minutes. I don't have to pay half of their Social Security interest. He goes, and at the end of the night, I push a damn button, and they tell me how much money they made for me. And, you know, when you break down the square footage of a casino, that's the truth. Now, and listen, so many rooms have closed over the years, and now because of, you know, Vegas gets transformed Vegas gets transformed. We know that. That's what we speak about on this show. Right. Vegas gets transformed when the WSOP starts their six, seven-week odyssey of, of playing in this and leading up to the main event. Right. And how many other casinos are profiting off of the thousands of, of people that flock from not only the United States but around the world that other casinos, while the WSOP is running, are running major tournaments, and they're all getting great entries into this. So the tournaments now are the big draw. Live rooms, you know, you don't see as many, you don't see the big live rooms in Vegas doing the numbers that you see at the parks that our friend right. Mike Smith at Maryland Live 
uh, produces. You've been responsible for the customer service, and she has this great line here. She says, here's the irony about poker. It's the place where you will find the best and worst humanity has to offer. If treated well, most poker players will respond in kind, but there is a hopelessness uh, and despondency for the people that are losing money, and that's the majority. And she said, to make the experience about more than just money is what you have to do to get a losing player to leave happy. And let me tell you, Dave, uh, come by. Anybody's welcome to come by Casino Miami on Mondays and Thursdays when I open it up. You know, I'm giving bear hugs to half of the people there, okay? They're wonderful. They come up. They love the joke and the camaraderie. And yet you'll see two or three that, I'm, that I treat, try to treat the same way that are standoffish to it. it. You know, whatever it is, they're just not that friendly. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But I do treat them with that kindness and I don't know, Dave, it's, <laughs> it, 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 I have met some of the most incredible people in the poker room, and I've also met just some, and I hate to say this because I'm, this is not how I live my life, and this is not how I've tr- taught my daughters, some, some low lowlifes that are just, uh, you know, it, it, it actually upsets me. And I'm going to tell you something right now, you know, we're, we're talking about poker here, uh, as as you know, you know I'm I'm in player development now. Three days on the slot side, and believe it or not, it's it's eerie how similar it is. Really, it's eerie and how scary that there are people that are in the damn casino strictly to. When I say that, at least in poker, they're putting three four dollars. These people have a let's say quote hot seat in the slots, okay? So they literally put $10 without spinning the damn wheel, hoping that they get called to get some free play that they can hopefully turn into cash, Yeah. okay? Uh, I've only seen in my years three or four people self-exclude themselves from poker because they couldn't control their poker. There probably should have been a few more, but that's neither here nor there. But the the list, the book is this thick on the casino, on the side. casino yeah, side. And here's the real sad part: those people still keep coming in, knowing trying, trying knowing in. that if they hit a jackpot, They're okay, imagine they hit twenty, thirty thousand dollar jackpot, they will not get paid. Yeah. They can't control themselves, and it's it actually, to be honest with you, Dave, it's a little sad to see people who are there. I'm there five, sometimes six days a week. I see the exact same people. Now, some of them are players, and I love it. They, they, they come there with husband and wives. They come with their children, you know, so their adult children. And for some reason, this is where they want to be, okay? Which is fine if that's what you want to be. But others that just don't either want to get a job, they, can, they can't have a job. I'm, I know the hours that they're there. When I'm on the poker side, I still see them on the slot side in our casino, Dave. And they just sit there all freaking day yeah. waiting to see if their name is going to get called on whatever promotion we're running. Giveaway. So that yeah. they can get free play money to try to turn that into money. That is their job. Yeah. And I wasn't raised that way. I, I don't understand that. It, it It really blows my mind. And... So I've been exposed to something else over there that we have wonderful people over there, but they bitch and moan even more than the poker players. Yeah, I can imagine. So I, it, it's sad. I, I hate to say that. Sometimes it's sad. 
and you know there's nothing much you can do you're in that business you have to try to treat these people i've you know me here and joe knows me here also i treat people with the utmost respect and kindness i I'm, i always have an ear to listen to any of their problems that's one of the reasons i'm sure my boss has put me in that thing there i i have a lot of compassion for people I have tried to educate people and to advise them to, hey, why don't you take a week off? You understand? We're going to be here. Take a week off. Do something with your family. Do something for yourself. Come back. We'll be here in a week. Take two if you have to. You know, there's nothing else I can do. There's nothing else I can do. Well, let's close out this segment with her final thoughts, which is uh, for casino management or people on the casino side, they say, she says, if they treated their poker rooms, their poker players, and their staff who inhabit them as valuable assets, the atmosphere would improve dramatically. She says, uh, if the people who are taking pride uh, and accountability and a job well done are the ones succeeding in keeping the negativity in check in the poker rooms, and the ones that don't are just providing long-term care for the assholes they've created. Right. And, I'm a, again, we don't know where the dealer chick works, you know, what casino, what part of the country she works. Unfortunately, I can't agree 100% more with her. But, unfortunately, that's not a, a remedy for down here in South Florida. Yeah. Because of the high, high, the high, competition. Um, high competition and what we've, we've created our own monster by... Making the high hands, you know, so much that it has become, quote, a business for some of these people to chase that. And as a management level person, and I can't imagine as an owner, it pisses me off to see people who just strictly, and then they complain, oh, why don't you give them more money? I go, well, why don't you stay and play poker? You know, somebody's hit a high. Let's say a straight flush to the jack, so they know there's only three other hands that can beat it, and there's still 40 minutes for this hand to be paid. Down here, they stop playing poker. So, what's the incentive for for my mat for my for me to tell my boss, help me do better for these guys when they don't do anything to help the room? And I tell them that I get upset. I, I, at this point in my life, I, I'm a little different where I, I go, really, you want us to do more? How much more do you want us to give us? And I tell them, and they all, you know, like they said, they take their tongue and stick it, you know, where? Because they can't say anything to me because I tell them the truth. I go, you, 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 oh, you bring more people. I go, how come you're not in there playing poker? Because when I play poker, we didn't go for the high hands. I'm trying to take your money and your money and his money and you guys all trying to take my money. Why aren't you playing poker? So you want us to give you something, and you don't even have the decency to stay and play for those 40 minutes because it's a cost to you now? That's the difference down here. You don't have that, I would imagine, for the most part in other parts of the country where poker is big. So their dealing is completely different. Maybe management just has that a point. Here, poker is part of the bigger income, so they... We are trying to cater to these more to these <laughs> I was about to say these morons, but these a holes because that's all yeah. that's all you could do at this point in my life. I've seen too much of it. I've you know I have made them go to a higher limit, a higher amount of money in the pot to force them to gamble, which I did many years ago. They all got pissed and left for three days, and everybody was mad at me in the poker room because they were losing their money. Sure enough. 
on the third and fourth day, they all yeah, came, came back. back yeah. And all of a sudden, we started raking more money. Okay. Well, interesting discussion. Uh, bottom line, I think uh, the whole entire poker world can do better. And let's not make it all about money. That's the best thing. <laughs> let's take a break. We'll be back with more of the show. When we return, you're listening to Poker Action Line, and we'll be back after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. From the vantage point, Mafatu saw six war canoes drawn upon the beach. But what held the boy's eyes in awful trance were the figures springing and leaping about the flames, darting, shifting, bounding toward the sky. The eaters of men. Cannibals. Firelight glistened on the royal bodies, on flashing spears and bristling decorations. Mafatu watched the strange scene, powerless to move, and he felt doom itself breathing chill upon his neck. In that very instant, he heard a crashing in the undergrowth. Four figures were tearing toward him through the jungle. He could see them now. He turned and ran blindly down the trail, slipping, sliding, stumbling, his breath all but choking in his throat. Only one thought gave him courage as he ran. His canoe ready and waiting. If only he could reach it before the savages overtook him. Explore new worlds. Find out what happens next by reading the book Call It Courage by Armstrong Sperry. For other great book ideas, visit literacy.gov. A message from the Library of Congress and the Yard Council. Welcome back to the show, Big Dave and Joe. Uh, interesting discussion there. I do want to talk a little bit about uh, what's happening in online poker. I kind of uh, have not talked about it too much over the last few months, but obviously we know we have four states where they are playing online poker, the three that have been in uh, in business for a while, Delaware, New Jersey, and Nevada. That seems somehow share a border at one point or yeah, another with sometime. all three. Uh, of course, uh they do not have online casinos in Nevada because of the the casinos uh, fighting that. But <laughs> the online poker is doing doing pretty well out there. It does well during the World Series. There are 14 online events where you can play on WSOP.com this summer, up from nine from the previous year. So uh, online poker is doing well in those states. Pennsylvania has done very well in their first half year of uh, online poker. Uh, the... Uh, the online gambling revenue was $33.6 million in the state of Pennsylvania last year, including, uh, and they picked up uh, $13.3 million in taxes. So uh, the slots are, are obviously the majority of the $33.6 million, $20.9, and poker is just $4.4 million. But still pretty good for the first year. They're getting better all the time. And uh, I don't think that was a full year, was it? No, but it's a six months, I think. Oh, six months, all right. Uh, they came in during the summer. Anyway, that is the fourth state that is going. There are two that are on the way that have passed uh, legislation, uh, Michigan and West Virginia. They'll be the next ones sometime this summer to come on. Uh, Michigan might take a little longer, maybe a full year. But uh, there are other things that are uh, working uh, in West Virginia, including sports betting and different things there. Uh, they already have five casinos that, with partnerships, including uh, the Greenbrier, uh, Hollywood, which is uh, 
Charlestown, formerly the Charlestown Racetrack, uh, the Mountaineer Casino, and Mardi Gras, which is a partner of a place down here for a long time. I think they have sold it since then. And the other is the Wheeling Island Hotel. So they have five there that are handling sports betting right now, and poker is still to come sometime this year. Uh, they'll be tying into different places. And then we have uh, Michigan, which uh, changed governors. And uh, the last governor uh, kind of really stuck it to people because he said he was going to sign the bill. And they waited till the very end, and he let it lapse. and uh, It became law. Yeah. Well, no, the, the, that happened this year, but the previous year when they thought they were going to get it uh, before Gretchen Whitmer came in. Wow, they must have a different system than us because usually if they don't veto it, well, that's it true. becomes law. I think he actually did veto it and like his last day or something yeah. right at the very end. Also, New York, hoping very much to uh, get it this year. Uh, they've been trying for about seven years to get it. Um they have a bill that is in their legislature right now, Senate Bill 18, that uh, would remove poker from the list of prohibited games in uh, the state of New York, authorizing uh, 11 licenses for New York online poker, each valid for 10 years at the cost of $10 million apiece. Uh, their revenue, uh, 15% would be the tax rate there, which is uh, right in line with what New Jersey's doing. And uh, there's no bad actor clause that would prohibit poker stars from coming into the state, which was a problem at one time. Uh, so they are also working on it with a bill in the assembly as well. So New York, good chance, I think, this year of maybe having that. That would be really nice. That would be a big step to getting it nationally, you know. Them and California. California just can't get together with their Indian tribes and uh, the decisions there. That may not change anytime soon. Oh, that sounds 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 very familiar to me yeah. here in the state of Florida. Yeah, exactly. Um, the other discussion was an article I read that was written in December. So the discussion is about what would a Joe Biden presidency do for online gambling. And at the time, uh, Biden was the, pretty much the big front runner, which is not true right now anymore. Uh, Bernie Sanders kind of getting the nod in a lot of polls, and, and that could change in another week when they go back to South Carolina and a big win by Joe Biden in South Carolina, which a lot of people are expecting, could change the thoughts once again. But the article is about what he, th- what he thinks about it. And uh, he has discussed uh, the fact that he doesn't think that the way the DOJ handled the Wire Act uh, was was the right way to go. Uh, he says he would reverse the White House, the current White House opinion that was then reversed and overruled by the court. He said the court is correct. That should be the prevailing uh, position of the DOJ, which is to have online gambling. So uh, he's all for it. Um uh, he hasn't made a lot of uh, discussion about it. Andrew Yang got the most publicity when he spoke out uh, in complete support of legalized online gaming. So we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know where Bernie Sanders stands, but my guess is as a libertarian, pretty much uh, he would kind of be allowed to the, well, give, give the markets what they, what they want and what they can uh, abide by. Listen, you know, we know our current president owns uh, or owned a lot of casinos. You know, you would have thought he'd have been in favor or something like that, but uh, but maybe that's why you know, he's against. Then it. he gets a <laughs> vice president whose you know uh, religious beliefs are are dead set against any any expanded gambling and stuff like that. You know, 
I hate to say this, Dave. I might have become a cynic with this, uh, but you know, I don't care if it's a Democrat or Republican. You know, that they're going to do what they think is is going to get them more votes and get them, you know, to where they want to eventually be. Right. And it sucks. You know, hopefully these, the, you know, with Pennsylvania coming on now, I think Pennsylvania's got to be the biggest state uh, population-wise uh, to, you know, to approve online poker and and so on and so forth. And hopefully Michigan, West Virginia, like you said, within the year or sooner, get online. We just need, we just need, uh, you know, like you said, a big state to be able to just say, hey, we're going to break through, and then hopefully the federal government will follow suit and, you know, get things reversed, like you said, with the DOJ. Right, right. Um, talking about the Wire Act, uh, what's to come on that? Uh, the discussion is that uh, the last ruling was this past June by uh, Judge Paul uh, Barbadoro, who ruled for the plaintiffs uh, in this uh, back-and-forth lawsuit but says that uh, he predicts the case will probably end up in the Supreme Court, which may, may not be a good thing um, with the uh, conservatives that are now on the court. Um, but uh, the DOJ, after that ruling, appealed it. And so right now they're headed for the First Circuit Court of Appeals, and we don't really know what their uh, thoughts are on it. So we'll have to see what happens there, and then probably it's still going to stay in the courts for, for another year or so. I just hope I get to see this before, before it's my time to go. Uh, the good thing is that the DOJ has agreed to take no enforcement action under the new opinion until at least 60 days after the final judgment. So uh, we're kind of status quo right now. Uh, and uh, right now there hasn't been a lot of federal intervention in the in in the in the rulings, but uh, we'll see what happens uh, here. Yeah, <laughs> and of course, uh, who knows if this Trump is, Trump should win the election? This seems like a really bad circus that we've been watching for the last ten yeah. years or whatever. So yeah, exactly. Let's see. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I did want to talk about a couple of things that are going on in the world of poker as well. Uh, the win by uh, Eric Afriat, I wanted to uh, speak of that. Uh, that came at Fallsview, and of course, as, as I mentioned, he's a Canadian from Montreal, and a big win for him. Very thrilled at that. Uh, but kind of interesting the way uh, that all planned out. That all shook out with his uh, short stack at the final table. Uh, he is a two-time uh, WPT champion before heading into this tournament. And uh, he had just eight big blinds left with five players remaining. Uh, pushed all in with pocket deuces and ran into pocket aces. <laughs> he called out for the deuce of clubs and he got it on the turn and uh, doubled up in chips to keep himself alive. Then, a little bit later, he had pocket kings and he went up against pocket aces again. Uh, so he said, this time I asked my wife, who never watches me play, but I asked her to call for the king, and boom, the king came on the turn, and uh, another set that cracked aces. So still five players left, but now all of a sudden, he's got a little bit of a stack to uh, to run around at people. And now you start feeling bulletproof also, Dave, you know, when you win pocket deuces and kings go up against aces, and, you, and twice you beat them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he did have uh, pocket jacks then against uh, one of the other players who had 10-9 suited. And the jacks held up, eliminating uh, that player, uh, Demo Kiriopoulos. 
knocked out uh, Trung Nguyen in fourth place. Adam Hui went out in third, and that left him head-to-head with the player that he went up against pocket aces with his deuces, Marc Olivier Carpentier Perrault. And there were only ten big blinds separating them at the start of heads-up play. Heads-up play went just five hands. Carpentier-Perot uh, went four-bet all-in with ace-five offsuit. And Afriet called with pocket sevens. And then the final card, deuce of clubs. <laughs> that meant nothing this time, but gave him the title. There you go. He, he he's gonna love that deuce of clubs going going forward in his career. He has won a couple. He won a big tournament down here a few years ago, as I mentioned at the Seminole Hard Rock. Uh, he always would come down for Passover, and and it just so happened that he plays pretty much in that tournament every year. But this is his third title. He won uh, five hundred eight thousand Canadian dollars, which is three hundred seventy nine thousand U.S. Um, Carpentier Perot won 356,000 uh, Canadian dollars. We was third with uh, 229. So what he said basically was, when I sat down, I said to myself, I just want to win in Niagara Falls. I just want to win in my country. To win in Canada with the Canadian flag is amazing. Just a great, great feeling, and I haven't been this happy in such a long time. Uh, congratulations. So great story there, and uh, he was on the show. If you could listen back in. Uh, in April, when we did the interview with him, a uh, really interesting guy and uh, a fun interview. And uh, you can always find that back on some of the logs of our shows. Uh, the other tournament that is going on right now is uh, out at the WSOP circuit. And uh, that is at the Rio in Las Vegas. And the latest counts we have on that one, 62 players left. Out of uh, 119 entries. And that is the $1,700 main event at the Rio Series out there. Uh, chip leader is Pablo Ross. Fasal Sadiki is second. Andy Seth in third. Andy Baldwin, uh, former uh, WSOP circuit winner, is in fifth place. And Ian Steinman just got knocked out. So actually they're down a little bit farther than that. They're down to seven apparently. Uh, so... Uh, uh, they are finishing th- finishing things up there, and we'll keep an eye on what's happening uh, in that tournament as well. Uh, let's take another break on the show. We'll come and finish things up when we get back. Uh, you can always pick up the show on uh, SoundCloud. You can listen to the show. Then you can just uh, there's a little button there where you can send it to uh, other uh, listeners, other friends that you think if, would like to hear the show. You can send it via email. You can send it via text, and send a link over to them. And, of course, uh, that is one of the great places to get the show. We are on the podcast of, uh, on, uh, our podcast is carried on the, the uh, poker radio network known as Hold'em Radio. And uh, they have been very kind to uh, promote our show as well. Also, the Poker Fuse podcast page carries us on a regular basis, and you can pick up previous shows there as well. Or go to PokerActionLine.com, and uh, they have a list of the shows on the Podbean page, which is connected by the yellow box on the front page. We'll be back to uh, finish things up here on tonight's show. Please stick around, and we'll be back after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. 
This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. Welcome back. Final segment of the show, Big Dave and Joe. Uh, when I talk about these uh, tournaments, uh, these online events, and uh, like the WSOP.com, has a circuit event online coming up. Uh, starts uh, tomorrow, actually. We do the show here on a Monday night. Uh, starts tomorrow on Tuesday, February 25th, and runs through March the 8th. Uh, would love to play in, in one of these. Uh, these might be a little bit bigger than you know what I would play for, but they're as low as $215 for the online buy-in on some of these events. Uh, be nice to be able to just play from your uh, bedroom in a big tournament and win uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, well, let me tell you something. Ever since I got, you know, semi-promoted to the player development and that, that I'm closing those nights, I have not played in a poker tournament or even a right? cash game online that I was doing at least twice a week for the last few years. And, um, you know, it's... It kind of sucks because it's been almost six months now, and I really don't have the time, you know, because the other days when I'm off, one of them, I'm here with you, then I go out and just don't have time, and um, so, yeah, I would love to be able to do that, Dave. That yeah. was a big part of my life for, for the last probably 11, 12 years. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the circuit uh, moves on uh, later this week. Uh, this weekend, they, they are in the St. Louis area. They'll play at the Ameristar Casino in St. Charles and then head to Atlantic City for Harris Resort in Atlantic City before heading back to Los Angeles and the Bicycle Casino uh, in L.A. The uh, WPT will be in L.A. for their next event. I, guess, I believe it starts February 29th, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and that is uh, the big event out there uh, the L.A. Poker Classic, which uh, has been going on for a long time with a lot of events, but the main event starts at the end of the month here. Well, listen, I wish I wish I could follow all those places, Dave, to be honest with you. But i got a few more years to go before I can retire. So. Yeah, probably so. And then I'm going to enjoy some of these tournaments. 
one other thing to mention is the uh, the television schedule for the World Series of Poker. The entire series is out, by the way, and uh, I got about four pages of tournaments, including the fourteen online events, uh, the which brought it up to what, like ninety-two tour, ninety-two events like this year. I ninety-two. Didn't, I, didn't, uh, I didn't count them up. Bracelet events. I didn't count them up, but uh, there's a lot of events, including a lot of hold online events, I should say, but during the final week. But a lot of stuff overlaps. And the main event starts on July the 1st, and uh, we played the 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, which is a little bit different from the past, where they had one of the starting days on the 4th of July. Yeah. got done a little bit later, so they've changed that a little bit. But after that starts, there's still a good dozen events uh, that you can play in out there in Vegas if you get eliminated from the main event. They have a $50,000 PLO tournament. And they got stuff like a uh, $1,500 PLO bounty, uh, a $1,500 50 stack, and uh, several other uh, tournaments from 1500 up to the big ones, uh, including a $100,000 buy-in event uh, at the end. And what was the big one last year? I forgot the name of it The uh, for their anniversary. Oh, the Big 50. The Big 50, that was yeah, it. Yeah, they're playing that again. Um I'll have to look that up to find it exactly. I thought maybe they would call it the Big 51, but they're not. <laughs> I was about to say, that we've been doing this too long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're starting to think exactly alike here. Well, I got the whole list of tournaments, but uh, to actually pick that one out, I'm not sure exactly when that starts. But I'll take a look, and we'll uh, pass that along. Uh, the series begins on May the 27th. Uh, the first tournament is a $1,000 uh, freeze-out and there's also the same day the $500 Casino Employees Tournament, which is u- the usual start to everything. Oh, well, here's the big 50. It's $500 buy-in. It does start the second day of the tournament. Uh, 50, uh, the big 50, $500 buy-in, and there are eight uh, days of this tournament. So uh, that will be Are you? Let me tell you, there. Dave, and I know that we mentioned something, I think it was last year, but I'm... Not 100% sure on that, but maybe uh, this year we can get somehow some people may be able to register before they get down there to avoid those uh, long yeah. lines and yeah. everything else. Ho- hopefully we'll be able to address some of that. Uh, well, they had a pretty good that. plan last year where they played down to the cash each night, and uh, you know, so that worked out pretty good for a lot of people. So, you know, those... The, the, the horrific long lines that we keep hearing about for people to register is something that would drive me up a wall. Yeah. So hopefully there's we, we can address that going forward. Maybe they've done something to alleviate some of that those long lines. There will be plenty of tournaments on Poker Go. Poker Central will uh, be televising a lot of this, these uh, tournaments. Uh, as far as the main event goes, the uh, ESPN and ESPN2 will have 14 straight days of main event action starting on July the 1st. Uh, they are on ESPN2 to kick things off at 8 p.m. that first night uh, for five hours of coverage. And then they'll have alternate between ESPN and ESPN2 on some of the other early days. Day 2 comes back on July the 4th uh, where the players from 1A and 1B that advance to day two will play, and they'll be uh, on the air from 7.30 to 10 that night, and then they will move on to some of the other days. Day three is on July 6th, and they will play on day seven, which is July the 10th. They'll play down to a final table. They'll be one day off, and then they'll come back on July the 12th, play from 9 to 6. Yeah, from the 7th on, that's when they'll be... 
playing straight through until right. we get to a final table. And uh, come on at 10 p.m. and play. Uh, the show will be on ESPN2 the first two days uh, of the of the final nine, uh, playing down from 9 to 6 on the 12th, from 6 to 3 on the 13th, and then play to a winner on July the 14th. So they'll be all finished then, but there'll be plenty of other things going on out there. People don't have Absolutely. to leave like they used to. Uh, if you were out of the main event, you went home. Yeah, the main event used to be the last event. That was it. You were out. You were right. You said goodbye. Yeah, exactly. So looking forward to that. We'll uh, keep you up to date on all those things. Uh, I really do con- uh, urge people to get Poker Go. Uh, I have it on my tablet, so I can uh, pick up a lot of the events uh, you know, while I'm other places at work and that sort of thing. So it works out pretty well for me. Uh, and I do uh, recommend it. I think it's like $99 for the whole year. Yeah. You know? You've been, you've loved it ever since it came out. Yeah, so. absolutely. Uh, we'll talk some more about uh, a few poker hands and a few other things next week. Uh, always lots of things to discuss. Coming up on uh, in April will be the uh, Showdown series where we'll get a chance to go over there for WPT action at the Seminole Hard Rock. Their Escalator series also coming up just around the corner. I think it starts this weekend, as a matter of fact. And we'll keep you up to date on some of those events as well as we move through the month. Uh, Coconut Creek done with the big events for a while, but uh, we'll see what happens uh, when they try to add a few things to uh, increase their You know who they named as the poker room manager? Yeah, her name's uh, Kelly Mautner. Oh, okay. Congratulations. She's she's in charge over there now. And uh, Jason Heidenthal is the new tournament director at the Seminole Hard Rock in Hollywood. So I need to get over there and talk to him as well. That's going to do it for the show. We appreciate you being with us tonight. Uh, Interesting discussion about... uh, the ser- pervasive sadness that can often be a part of the poker room. But uh, we need to work on things like that to get better. Uh, we'll be back with another show next week here on another edition of Poker Action Line. The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 